Hey everyone, we're happy to have partnered with Medify to bring you season two of Between Us. Medify is an app that helps connect your bodily awareness and your emotional experience. Today, we'll be talking a lot about affect regulation. And the research indicates that the process of connecting emotional and bodily awareness can actually strengthen your ability to manage your emotions. Medify, M-E-T-A-F-I, is a free download on iOS and Android. So go download it today and be your best self. You know, a lot of what was going into this record was fueled by my own sadness, my own loneliness, um, alcohol abuse. But I do think I did abuse abuse the privilege of my friend alcohol. Yeah. You know, waking up. I don't know why I'm talking about this, though. You know, they used to... Uh have the show start, right? And have the singers and the players and the different uh, parts of the show. Then the master of ceremonies would come out, you know, just before the finale and explain that after the finale, after the kids go home, they'd have the midnight ramble, right? And the songs would get a little bit juicier and uh, the jokes would get a little funnier. What's it the most about? interesting thing is uh, probably the music. That's kind of the middle of the country, you know, right there. So bluegrass or uh, country music, you know, if it comes down to that area and if it mixes there with rhythm and if it dances, then you've got a combination of all those different kinds of uh, music. The melting pot. What's it called, then? Rock and roll. This is Between Us. I'm John Totten. So I've been hearing this album for a long time. Yeah. But it's new to the world. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that a lot of people have been surprised. This is a new direction for you. It seems that people have that reaction. I don't really know, to be honest. I think a lot of the times... People are excited about it, and they do say, oh, this doesn't sound like your old stuff. But I never quite know if that's a positive statement. But it's out there. People can hear it. If you know me, you might know that there has been a slight change in my mood since November. I don't know what it was about that month, but the slight gray of depression has been creeping in at the corners here and there. Not in a crushing way, but just enough to dull my experience. Now, I make no secrets of my depressive tendencies, and I've been aware of this for a long time now, and I know a good amount of stuff about what to do when it happens. The number one on the list for me? Listen to good music. As I take notes on our episode today, I'm home alone, blasting Bobby Womack out of my speakers. I know that if I can get my head bobbing back and forth, I can get some good chemicals flowing. We're going to talk a lot about music today, because it is chemical, but it's not just about that. I believe that because of the music and the words, music actually has the ability to provide us with emotional stability. Jason Dodson is a musician here in Seattle. He's a friend, much like a lot of our guests, But he's also in a really great band called the Maldives. 
Their new album, Mad Lives, is a departure from their last few albums. You'll hear us talk about that. But we'll also talk about the therapeutic role that music plays in Jason's life and in others. Well, the first thing that I noticed about the new album is that it is slower and more atmospheric and creates kind of a world. Yeah. When we initially went into the the studio with Randall Dunn, who produced it, uh, we had talked a lot about movies and we talked a lot about different directors and how those directors would create worlds unto themselves, like somebody like Jodorowsky and Fellini. We kind of designed each song to be its own world and then to somehow fit all of those worlds into one larger world. So each individual one is strong. Each, you know, each individual song is strong on its own, but as a whole, they create this one big cohesive whole. Would you call it a concept album? It is a concept record. What's the concept? It tells the story from start to finish of a guy that falls in love with the sun, and then the sun drops him into the sea, and then that person has to fight to survive because they've never been in the sea before. In that struggle, they keep staring at the sun to try to find the love that was once there to try to find that person and eventually go blind because they've stared at the sun for too long. That said, there's also like this kind of a twist. It's like where the person realizes that you find out that the that the person has created this mythological world to deal with a a greater trauma and they're actually just in a house that they set on fire. So when the lover left, the person set the house on fire and eventually was just staring into the flames until they go blind. So they're rescued at the end of the story and then only to find out that they're, they don't have, they can't see anymore. It feels lonely. Were you lonely when you were writing it? I wasn't necessarily lonely. I was going through some very difficult times just emotionally with me. It's like I've always been super sensitive to just, I guess, changes. And I mean, the breakup that I was going through at the time, I mean, I immediately jumped back into another relationship. And so was I lonely? No, I was with somebody. The two aren't mutually exclusive, are they? No, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, I I was. I mean, I was with somebody that we still care about each other, but there was no future there. We were both lonely people trying to figure something out. Keeping each other company. Exactly. That said, it was some dark, dark times. And I say dark because it was, it felt dark. You know, I I look back on it now and... It feels so far removed from where I, I feel so far removed from where I once was. Affect regulation. That's a fancy phrase that you're hearing a lot on this season. Another way of describing this process might be to just call it managing your emotions. As babies, this is a process for us of co-regulation. We don't know how to do it ourselves, and so we rely pretty heavily on our primary caregivers to help us understand and regulate our emotions for us. As we grow, we transition to a state of self-regulation. And that doesn't just mean we manage our emotions by ourselves. 
It means we hopefully develop the ability to reach out to others and ask for the support we need. We can be around other people and still feel lonely. And similarly, this album, I associate the Maldives with a lot of people on stage. Mm -hmm. And yet this album seems really sparse and really lonely and really, it has a feeling of isolation. Mm, Yeah. Well, we do end the entire set with me alone on stage, mm-hmm. and it does feel isolated. If you listen to the record, because the you know Randall and I intentionally put my voice louder, you know, in the mix. Like we wanted the voice to be the showcase of a lot of that record. I, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like I do think it creates like a kind of a desolate landscape when you. Listen to the record because I mean the two major proponents, the two major physical landscapes are space and the ocean. It's like you're dealing with just the vastness, like these big empty spaces, and it's like how do you fill those spaces, or do you fill those spaces? How does one survive in those spaces? I've always been afraid of open water. Is that so? Yeah, absolutely. I don't like being in lakes. I don't like being on the ocean. I don't like it. Like it just. I yeah. I don't. I don't swim. I don't like. I don't like that. When I was a tiny kid, I almost drowned a couple of times. I don't like uh, the idea of what's underneath the water. I mean, there's so much not so many nautical things about this album. Yeah, part of what I enjoy as an artist is to take myself either. I mean, obviously not physically to places I wouldn't want to go to, but it's I, I try to do that, you know, emotionally and also just uh, I try to take myself to those places artistically and um, imaginatively. I don't, you know, I'd rather confront something in my brain than do it in real life. So the, the water in the album... It represents being plunged into the thing that you might fear the most. Yeah, absolutely. And in an isolated kind of way. Mm-hmm. Not having any help. Nope. Was writing this a therapeutic process for you? Absolutely. It was absolutely therapeutic. I mean, there are concrete realities in the songs themselves. And there's and the, the relationship that I was referring to like what I was trying to get through with this record, you know, well, just to put it bluntly, I mean, I was just, you know, I was in a relationship with, for five years with a, with a woman and, you know, she was a writer and she was on a retreat and I was in the studio. I was doing Muscle for the Wing, which is, you know, the album previous to this. And I remember it was almost, it was late July, almost August. And it was just hot in Seattle. It was just really, really overwhelmingly hot. And she came to pick me up from the studio because I hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks as she was at a writing retreat. And when we got back to the the house that we shared, she just said, I, I have to talk with you about something serious. And I said, what is it? Before she even replied, it's like, I just remember my heart just sank. It's like, I just knew you know, my, my heart just sank. And then she says, I, I can't do this anymore. And I remember I was trying to open a window because it was just so hot in that room and I couldn't get the window open. And then she just, she dropped that. And we talked through things, just, you know, 
surface wise we just talked through like I said why are you doing this and she just said I just have to and there was never any clear reason as to what it was and then the last thing she said was just like to know you is to love you and then she left I'd seen her a few times over the past seven years, you know, seven years ago when that happened. I've seen her some, you know, but we've never actually talked through our stuff. And she just, she won't do it. You know, I've asked her to, and she just won't talk with me about what it was that she was going through and, you know, why we went through that breakup. The lack of closure. Yeah. It seems, I think about the character staring back up at the sun trying to figure out what the yeah. hell just happened. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, that's that's what I, I was... And so you were left, uh, and I don't mean to keep hammering the metaphors, but you were left treading water. Yeah. Trying to figure things out. Yeah. It was a long time ago when I was first studying this affect regulation stuff that I started to wonder... Is that only happening with people I actually know? Is it possible for us to find regulation in relationships with art and those artists? I found my answer in 2011, when I went through a crushing breakup. I wrote about it in an article for the other journal, saying that my friends weren't that great at cheering me up when it happened. Happy little euphemisms about the quantity of fish in the sea fell on my deaf ears. On the verge of what seemed like a lost relationship, I thought that the rare Seattle sun would improve my disposition. I was wrong. I, you know, a lot of times in my own relationships, it's like I always see myself, I imagine myself as like a dog, you know, like a dog that you just, you're so devoted to, you know, your master, you're devoted to your owner, whatever. I remember feeling after this breakup, I felt like a masterless dog. All I had everything figured out. Like it was, you know, comfort. I was getting to a point where I was closer to understanding what it is that I wanted in a relationship. And it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't quick enough. It wasn't soon enough for my ex-girlfriend. But that said, I had to put myself 
in an imaginative place. I had to put myself in a position like where I was creating the answers to the questions I had, you know? I couldn't not do that. You know, as a songwriter, it's like, that's what I do. That's what we do. It's like we create things out of, you know, just really boring situations. Or some may say that we over overcompensate for what reality lacks. Or sometimes we will dramatize. <laughs> Fill in the spaces? Exactly. Um, or we'll see the color, you know, we, what, what other people see as black and white, we see as like extreme, like neon colors. You know, it's just being overly sensitive to things and just trying to relate that to the rest of your audience. But I don't know if this would fall into the category of being overly sensitive. I agree. It's dramatic, though. I mean, it's definitely like it's drama because that's the element of cinema. Following my crushing breakup in 2011 and my quest to feel better, I eventually found my answer in Steely Dan, specifically the song Any Major Dude Will Tell You. I wrote back then, Is it possible that listening to a digital facsimile of music recorded eight years before my birth by someone I've never met could trigger a self-regulation of affect? Neuroscience suggests that music can cause the same feelings we experience when being loved by our mothers. From a neuroscientific perspective, groovy music triggers the release of dopamine, one of the same neurotransmitters along with serotonin that is released when we feel loved. In his book, This Is Your Brain on Music, Daniel J. Levitin, a neuroscientist, an audio engineer, and even a production consultant to Steely Dan, notes that listening to music causes a series of rhythmic activations in the mesolimbic system of our brains, which is involved in pleasure and producing dopamine. We release the chemicals in rhythm with the music. And by the way, if you're interested in why songs connect to us and for what reasons, it's a really great book. You should check it out. This is Your Brain on Music by Daniel J. Levitin. I went to film school to become a filmmaker, and I graduated, and then I became a musician. That's that's kind of the story that Randall Dunn was telling, too. It's like, so he and I were talking about just movies the whole time, because that's what we know. I mean, that's what we went to school for. Then we both became musicians, and then we cranked this thing out, you know, which is some people say it's cinematic, and I agree. That's like a good compliment to me. I think there's something similar to, to what a psychotherapist might do, though. Taking the thing that is internal and speaking it into an external space mm -hmm. and organizing it into an understandable narrative mm -hmm. with characters that we can interpret and plots that we can try and understand more. That for us to take what is inside us and make it outside us helps us look at it and observe it and understand it. And you're much better at this than I am. <laughs> I've never been good at describing process. When I'm involved in process, it's like I'm just there and I just do it. And that's kind of how I do most things. I'm just like, if, I, if I'm in this moment, this is my moment. And I just try to do that. It was 2011. I was crushed. I was walking around Seattle 
pushing back the tears from underneath my sunglasses when I found the song by Steely Dan on my iPod, Any Major Dude Will Tell You. As Donald Fagan of Steely Dan sang the words, Any major dude with half a heart surely will tell you, my friend. Any minor world that breaks apart falls together again. When the demon is at your door, in the morning he won't be there no more. Any major dude will tell you. I started to feel a sense of hope, like things would be okay. Is this any different than the times my dad picked me up and patted me on my back after a knee scrape and told me things would be okay? I don't know. In response to that, who are the artists or musicians or writers or that you see yourself following the tradition of? I mean, when, when we were doing the record, we were name dropping like Leonard Cohen, Death of a Ladies Man. We were name dropping Arthur Russell. We were name dropping George Harrison, like All Things Must Pass, which I do think the album, it does feel lonely to me too. I still enjoy listening to it. Like a lot of the other stuff that I've done, I listen to it and I immediately place it in the past. This one still is, you know, I mean, I've been sitting on it for three years and it still seems relevant to me. I don't feel like the same person anymore, you know, so it's always difficult to perform the songs live because I have to connect to them. But in connecting to the songs, I'm connecting to the person I once was. It always reminds me of like a vanity mirror. We, we look at, you know, go to the, ho- the hotel or whatever, and there's like the big mirror in the bathroom. And then there's like a smaller round mirror that's, you know, if you hold it up to your face, you see like all the pores and just grease and whatever garbage is on your face, the imperfections. But I always think about when you're performing a song that meant so much to you years ago, and that was really reflective of something that you once were, that in order to connect to it again, you have to look through the vanity mirror. You can't just look at the mirror and see yourself because then you're out of the picture. You know, it's like you're, you're just flat. You have to look into that fucking vanity mirror and see every part of you that you don't want to see. Some of the songs are a lot of fun to play, but in order to connect to it, in order to have something to give to the audience, it's like I always feel like I have to look into that that vanity mirror and just put myself back in that place where I once was. How are you different now? Much happier. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I definitely don't feel lonely. I don't feel like, um, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel lonely. I don't feel, that's not true. I mean, there, there's always an element of loneliness to, I think, a lot of, a lot of just the human condition. It's like what we are as people. I talk to my own therapist about this stuff too, but it's like I always talk about disassociative disorder, which, you know, I have tendencies to do that. It's like, you know, it's like instead of letting myself like feel in the moment, I'll remove myself. I can look at my hands and it doesn't feel like they're my hands. I can see like, you know, through myself, which is helpful in times, but other times it's becomes kind of crutchy and that's another theme I think that that cycles throughout mad lives is disassociation it's like somebody that's literally they created this fantastical world in order to disassociate themselves from the reality of a burning house 
of trauma. Of trauma. Yeah. So when did you seek out therapy? Was it after the relationship ended? I, you know, even through college, it's I had tried, I'd tried therapy. I mean, I had really bad anxiety issues. My my eyebrows started going white from stress. From stress. Wow. The, it was never because of work. It was never because of schoolwork or things I had to do. It was always because of relationships. Hmm. And so the relationships were the ones that that caused the most stress. You know, relationships thinking like, am I doing the right thing? In other words, you know, I'd be in a relationship with somebody and I'd get so overwhelmed with the idea of choice that I couldn't ever accept my own choices. The idea that you had your own choice or agency yes. was difficult for you. It yes. caused stress. Yes, because I always wanted to know that I was making the right choice. And so in other words, like when I was with somebody, it was never a matter of like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I fucking enjoy this. It was always a matter of like, I can't enjoy this because am I, am I in the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And it would take, like I would take years to get over that kind of paralyzing fear. That makes me think of the masterless puppy. Yeah. The puppy that wants the guidance. It sounds like what you were hoping to say is just give me some direction. Don't, don't make me leave me out here in the ocean with all these choices. Possibly. You know, when I first started f- going to a therapist was because, you know, I started having really overwhelming panic attacks, which were usually caused by a relationship I was in. And then as soon as I would end the relationship, panic attacks would be gone. Hmm. I ended up having to go to therapy because I wanted to know what was causing this. I wanted to know how to deal with it. And most therapists said, okay, well, you're going to have panic attacks. You're going to have anxieties. What you need to learn to do then is to understand how to deal with it. My therapist now, you know, we actually get into underlying reasons of why I freeze up. If I have a confrontation with my girlfriend, why is it that I want to immediately remove myself from the situation. Basically, I want to intellectualize it instead of emotionally responding to it. Well, it seems related to mad lives. Yeah. That the idea of burning up and getting hurt or killed is too scary. And so to remove yourself feels safer. Yeah. Yeah. And the anxiety is, if I get too close to someone, they can hurt me really bad. True. If I'm too vulnerable in front of this person, they have the uh, opportunity to hurt me. Yep. And that's uh, that's largely, you know, largely what... That's largely how I deal with things. And it's also largely transparent in that album, in Mad Lives. I think this is a good time to tell you that we've gotten a lot of great feedback on the show, and we're really grateful for it. And one of the most common compliments has been about the music. Thanks so much for the encouragements you give us. We take a lot of pride and care in producing a show that sounds good with music that we would want to listen to ourselves. So we've decided that at the end of the season, we'll be releasing a soundtrack to Between Us. We're in the process of putting it together and selecting the tunes. But our plan is to release it at the end of the season, wherever it is online that you may buy music. So stay tuned. 
Personally, I listen to the music from the show all the time, and I can say that because it's almost completely Mason's talent, but I'm excited for you to be able to do the same. The reality of a situation is always clouded by our own perception of it. Like, it's always clouded by our own memory of it, or even the reality of the present moment is continually making us rethink what it is we heard, what it is we saw. Mm-hmm. There's blindness in the story as well, mm-hmm. uh, and being able to see. And I think I know the answer to this, but do you believe that the process of therapy, of becoming aware of your own mechanisms and your own in- internal struggle in a more conscious level, does that affect positively or negatively your creative process? We'll see. I mean, I've been in and out of therapy over the past seven years. When I was writing this album, I was not in therapy at all. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd, I'm poor. You know, I don't have very much money. Mm-hmm. And so I I just couldn't afford it. I think that it can only help. The, the more self-aware you are, the better it is that you can understand yourself and those things around you. And that's what art essentially is is relating what is inside you to the things that are around you. I would not want to be in a position where I'm clouded. Obviously, there's a certain amount of romanticism and excitement and energy or whatever to be in a place of emotional turmoil. You know, I would rather not write songs anymore and just quit music altogether and be clear-headed. You're one of my friends that I think about being the most devoted to music. I, I thank you. If I had to make a choice between feeling some sense of enlightenment, if that's the right word, or just some sense of just at peace with myself, if I had to trade in music to be at peace with myself, I would gladly do it. I think that you can be perfectly happy and be able to recall or access your previous sense of turmoil. And I think that you can do that using the tool of empathy, even if it's a sense of empathy for your former self. Yes, I agree. Personally, I don't need turmoil. And when I'm in turmoil, it sucks and I don't like it. Hope is the idea that turmoil will end. Empathy is a great tool to get to feeling a way that you used to feel or relating to another person and how they feel. That's that's called fiction. You have to actually like people. You have to believe in a sense of humanity and a greater sense of like the popular good in order to to create art. So obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes. Obsessive thoughts, dissociative reactions to attachment, maybe, Mm -hmm. like getting too close to people. Mm -hmm. Have you progressed in how you interact with these symptoms? I would say so. I'm not not afraid of them anymore, you know? That's kind of like the biggest thing, is that I don't get scared when I get anxiety. I haven't had any, like, full-blown panic attacks in a while, because I think I've just gotten more comfortable in dealing with just the anxieties. I know what to expect to a certain degree. You know, I'm not going to say that I figured it all out because that would be boring. I still got a lot of years left. I'm going to constantly be growing, but I, I understand what it means to be open in order to grow 
I'm not afraid to learn new things. Simply put, we are comforted by singing and being sung to, just as a mother might sing lullabies to her rocking baby. I think this is precisely the kind of process religious worship is steeped in. When we hear that we shall overcome, we feel a sense that it is true. And the great songwriters know this. Another song that comes to mind is Bridge Over Troubled Water. When we hear Simon and Garfunkel sing, When evenings fall so hard, I will comfort you. It's not that these are simply messages of hope. They are speaking to us. We even think thoughts like that. This song really speaks to me. And it's not only a process of letting others speak to us. I think it can be a process of speaking to ourselves. This is what happened in Jason's case. He externalized a certain self-state, one that was traumatized and shattered, which became the character in his album. In this sense, they were able to dial in on each other, to study each other, and to understand each other. It is for this reason that when a client expresses creative or imaginative tendencies, I strongly encourage them to run with those tendencies. There is an aspect of attunement for us to hear an artist express feelings that seem congruent to our own and yet steer us in a more optimal direction, even if that artist is ourself. To hear them say, I know things are bad, but they're going to get better. Just as an orchestra might tune its strings and its mouthpieces to the piano, when we witness the emotional place we want to be in, we zero in on it. What are the songs that tune you up? I'm interested in hearing about them. Find us on social media and let us know. I need a new playlist for the next four years. What are the things that you want people to know about this album? Or do you want them to know very little about it? I want them to hear it. You know, that's the bottom line. I want people to listen to the record. I would love to hear what they have to say about it, negative or positive, even though I do internalize the negative comments. And I think that's the internet too. You know, the internet works similarly. It's like when some guy or gal just says, hey, this guy's an amateur. And, you know, obviously it's like, do we need that kind of validation? No. Like, who cares, really? Because it's, it's, that's not what the music's about. We got a direct message from somebody saying that they had listened to the record and they were going through a tough time and it was really helping them out. So to hear that... That has to be more important, right? That is absolutely more important. And I always have to remind myself that there's people out there that don't like the Beatles. You know, there's people out there that think the Rolling Stones are terrible. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And on the internet, people seem to be more entitled to share that opinion. Yeah. I, I think so many, so much music today is afraid to feel things. They want things to create movement, but without having a sense of place. I would say sincere is another word that comes to mind Yeah, when I think of this album. Yeah, the, uh, the dreaded sincerity of... <laughs> well, it's almost an ironic, passe, right? Yeah, it is. But, no, yeah, but I, the fact that you're having people respond to you in an interpersonal fashion... Yeah. Well, yeah, that seems more important than any of the other things. Absolutely. And that's... 
that's that's what I you know that's that's the biggest compliment that I've could receive you know is that I that I actually connected with somebody. And so your therapeutic process has become therapeutic for someone else. There you go. Yep. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, you're welcome. This has been Between Us. Our thanks to Jason Dodson. His band, The Maldives, has a new record called Mad Lives. You can go and buy it where you buy music. It's really good. We'd also like to thank our partners for season two, Medify. Medify is an app that encourages affect regulation through awareness. M-E-T-A-F-I. It's a free download, so go get it today. Between Us is produced by myself and Mason Neely, who also composed our music. We also featured music by the Maldives. Stay tuned for our own musical release, the original soundtrack to this show. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more details. If you like the show, maybe leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, take care.